I think quality essentially is similar to a Warren Buffett style of investing, that ability to outperform in both bear and bull markets. Quality is doing that pretty effectively. Welcome to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, We put our investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. Today, our experts will take you under the hood of BMO's quality ETF suite, which outperformed every other factor in the market year to date. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with your professional network. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the BMO ETF Deep Dive podcast. Great to have you back. As usual, I'm your host, Danielle Mezzel, ETF product specialist with BMO ETF. And Chris Heeks is joining us today straight from the ETF PM desk. Great to have you here today with us, Chris. Thanks, Danielle. Great to be here. Well, today I'm really excited to talk to you about BMO's quality ETF lineup. Chris and the rest of the ETF team have been huge advocates for quality investing for it's been quite some time now. And as we look back on the first half of the year, Wow, the most quality ETF, the performance has been lights out. They've outperformed all of their factors and the broad market on the one year and on the quarter. And what's interesting to note here is that they've outperformed on the way down when markets collapsed in March. And then since then, as markets rebounded, quality seems to be outperforming on the way up as well. So Chris is going to help us look under the hood of the most quality ETFs. So we can really understand what's driving this performance of late and why investors should look to be including quality companies using BMO quality ETFs in their portfolios. So Chris, maybe we should start with, you know, what is quality? What is quality investing? We hear a lot about other factors, value and growth, you know, low volatility has been uh, talked about for a year and a year and a half now, but quality seems to be this kind of new cool kid on the block. So what is quality really all about, and why should investors start paying more attention to this factor? Yeah, thanks, Danielle. I I think it's it's great we have this opportunity to talk a little bit more in depth because it always seems to come up on the podcast. It's just such an effective factor that's out there, but I I get the sense that it's not the most top-of-mind one when you you have low vol, value, momentum, these other factors that... Uh, have kind of been identified and been around in a sense for a longer period of time. I think quality essentially is you know, similar to a Warren Buffett style of investing of how I think about it. Um, you know, quality companies are ones that have, you know, those sustainable competitive advantages, competitive moats that just give their businesses advantages over other businesses. So, you know, when, when looking at the quality factor, the way it's kind of been researched and defined the past few years, Usually, you're looking for companies that have, you know, higher profitability and stronger balance sheets as kind of the two main kind of core ideas of how how we look for quality companies. Um, but a lot of it is somewhat intangible. So we look to these metrics as proof that, you know, companies are either have a better product to sell or have better management or whatever the case may be, whatever those intangibles are that just make a company better than its competitors. So then, Chris, what is BMO's? A unique approach to capturing this quality factor that makes it different from maybe other managers. I know BMO's deliberately chosen MSCI high quality indexes 
as our rules to govern these ETFs. So, you know, what does that mean? Maybe talk over the methodology a bit and maybe why is the rules-based index approach a really great way for investors to add the quality factor to their portfolio? Yeah, I think that's a great point that the discipline of a rules-based index approach can really pay a lot of dividends in the, in the sense, not to kind of mix the metaphors, but can really add a lot of value. You know, I think a lot of investors, you know, whether they're ETF investors, you know, invested in, say, a smart beta solution such as quality or they're invested in active mutual funds. There's a lot of different styles where people are trying to get access to quality. But I do think one of those key advantages here is the discipline of the index rebalance. So uh, the way the MSCI index is calculated, uh, we do use both profitability and balance sheet strength as a core metric. So there's three main metrics here. One is high ROE. So we're looking for companies that have higher profitability than their peers. We also want companies with low debt to equity, so companies with low leverage, and companies with a consistency of earnings. So if you look at those earnings from quarter to quarter to quarter and year after year, how consistent are they? So we're looking for a low variability of those earnings. You know, and again, we think high quality companies that have really reliable earnings streams and are stronger companies, those those earnings streams aren't going to change from quarter to quarter because they're not as under threat, say, from other competitors. So Again, those consistency of earnings is, is a key key metric in defining a quality company. So what we do with MSCI is we take those three metrics, essentially create a composite quality score. We then merge those quality scores. Uh, well, what we do is we take the companies in each universe, so whether it's U.S. or Europe or global, we look for companies with the highest quality scores. We then merge those scores with the market cap weights, and that's what allows us to, to build that portfolio. So again, this index rebalance is twice a year. And one really nice thing with the approach is, you know, it's disciplined. You know, there, sometimes you have a, a winning stock and an investor might hold it too long, you know, even after, say, there's sustainable advantages or competitive advantages deteriorate, you know, investors may hold too long or they might sell it too early. Well, you know, well, a company is still has much more room on the upside. The nice thing about this metric is it's dispassionate, you know, it's rules-based and it you know will change the portfolio as needed to get either out of quality names that are deteriorating or get into ones that are becoming higher quality, you know, kind of before they're noticed. So, um, so it's very systematic to build it, and it's very diversified ways that we do it. So, you know, whether it's in U.S. and Europe, we have 125 holdings there, and in the global one, we have you know, well over 300 holdings. So it's a very you know the classic ETF kind of advantages of being well diversified. You know, there's no exception here as well. And Chris, as, as we look back on kind of what's transpired in markets this year, speaking to the methodology of the quality ETF and really highlighting the strength of the balance sheet of the companies that are in those portfolios, can you describe how these portfolios have done as market conditions have evolved, as economic indicators have been changing and market volatility has increased? What's driving the success of these portfolios and the underlying companies of late? Yeah, I think you you keyed it off the top of that ability to outperform in both fair and bull markets. Quality is doing that pretty effectively. Why does quality outperform in a down market? Well, you know, you're investing in companies that are more profitable uh, than their competitors. They have less debt to service, you know, with interest expense payments, and they have consistent earnings. So you would expect those companies to outperform in down markets. And indeed, quality, looking at all the different regions where we have the, the products, they they all tend to outperform when you have those negative markets. And how do you how do you outperform on the upside too? Well, you know, one nice thing is having 
you know, by investing in winners, essentially, I think of these quality companies as winners in the respective industries. You know, there's this positive kind of correlation effect in fact in equities where you know, companies that are winning tend to keep winning, right? So companies that are highly profitable tend to continue to be highly profitable from one period to the next. A year like this where, you know, quality is really adding value on both sides of the market. Now, just to be fair, because I don't want to kind of imply you can have your cake and eat it too in all cases, you know, the one kind of market backdrop where you might see quality slightly underperform the broad market is this kind of, you know, junk rally environment. So say everything was rallying indiscriminately. And, you know, it doesn't even matter what the asset is, you know, it's just everything's rallying. You know, you might find quality companies, they'll certainly rally, but might rally a touch less, you know, because investors in that kind of market can get kind of caught up. Sometimes they overpay for stocks that are that are rallying significantly. So that may be the only environment where it's called it the Goldilocks backdrop where quality lags a bit. But, you know, I don't think that's what investors need to be worried about, nor should they be worried about right now. You know, I think we're in, certainly in a very challenging backdrop with COVID and navigating through that. Certain sectors like energy are, are very difficult to navigate right now with, with low prices. And, you know, it's an uncertain uh, future, I think, over the next one to two years. I, you know, we're certainly confident we're going to navigate this crisis over time. But in the meantime, I think it's a, it's a more uncertain environment. Being invested in quality companies you know, I think is where you want to be in this kind of environment. And I think the performance you spoke to speaks to that, you know, year to date as of early July, quality is outperforming the index by about 5%. So it's up 8.9 8 in the U.S. versus 4.4 in the S&P. And again, it's a continuation of a, you know, kind of a longer term, like three-year theme of, of, of solid outperformance. You know, the, the three-year outperformance of quality in the U.S. is about a 5% alpha. So it works very good in these kind of markets that we're having right now. And I think it continues to be a really prudent way to uh, to get equity exposure. You are listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, we encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors. Okay, I'd like to take the conversation and kind of drill into each of the individual ETFs. So BMA offers three quality ETFs. We have our U.S. quality ZUQ, our European quality ZEQ, and then the global quality ZGQ making it kind of easier for investors to pinpoint the regional exposure that they'd like to target with that quality overlay. So maybe let's start with ZUQ. Chris, the U.S. is pretty interesting um, right now with growing COVID cases, uh, an election on the horizon, and heavy monetary stimulus from central banks. So why might investors want to look to U.S. quality today over a basic broad beta U.S. exposure? Yeah, well, I think... um there's nothing wrong with a with a broad data exposure right now in the U.S. I think the U.S. has been the definitely the global pillar of strength in global equity markets the past few years. When you're taking that quality tilt, you know what you're taking even further is that kind of tilt to the winning areas. And if you look at the U.S. portfolio, about two thirds of the portfolio is in large cap IT and healthcare. So about there's about 45 percent large cap IT. This is your Microsoft, Apple, Google. Um, MasterCard, Visa type names, NVIDIA, semiconductors, and then then a good weight in healthcare as well, over 20%. So about two thirds in those sectors that are really, you know, I still view them as 
So these, these are sectors that Canadian investors need to be exposed to. Both IT and healthcare, it's very difficult to get a well-rounded exposure in the Canadian market. So I think, you know, having that tilt and, you know, recognizing that these are the strongest companies in the world, you know, they're generating, you know, in Apple's case, like more cash than, than many small countries, if not medium-sized countries. Um, this is where this is the real economic strength of the world. And I, I don't see that particularly changing with the role of technology in our lives and the need for healthcare in our lives. I think these are two great exposures for Canadians to continue to be exposed to. And, and as I mentioned, as we navigate, you know, an uncertain time with COVID and, and with elections and political change coming or different political catalysts over the next few months, I think quality is just a great place to be in the U.S. And now what about Europe? So ZEQ has had uh, some, actually some considerable inflows that we've seen over the last few months. Investors starting to look back to Europe, which hasn't recovered as quickly as the U.S. yet. So why maybe Europe now and, and what's different about ZEQ's portfolio versus uh, ZUQ? Yeah, I think you made a, a, a great point there that, you know, given all those things I did say about the U.S., I still think investors are starting to look outside of the U.S. for for some growth and diversification, you know, obviously we can't just solely rely on the U.S. to generate equity growth in our portfolio, and it, it has had great performance. So naturally, you look to an area perhaps like Europe or EFI. You know, when I look at Europe, yes, there's, you know, it has not regained its pre-COVID highs. You know, in, in some sectors, it's, it's still struggling to get back to, you know, highs of a few years ago. So I think Europe is a great region to get exposure to, but but you, you recognize an investor, it's also a very dangerous region. Um, there's currency risk, there's geopolitical risk, and we've we've been through, I feel like like two Tolstoy novels worth of drama with uh, with Brexit, and we're still not anywhere all that much further down the road. So that's still an issue. You know, there's still kind of uh, populism in these types of issues. I do advocate for taking a different approach rather than just, you know, a benchmark approach or broad data approach with Europe. I think, you know, if you're going to go there to see growth, you also want to have some built-in protection. Should things not go so well there, you know? So with that EQ, I think you get that. Number one, you get a currency hedge. You vastly reduce your exposure to euros and, and British pounds. And then you just get the this portfolio it looks a little bit different in Europe, but you get a lot of exposure to consumer staples and healthcare, which again, you know, you think of how to ride through, you know, an uncertain call it 12 months uh, with COVID. And, you know, I think consumers and healthcare are two obvious sectors that I think you want to get exposure to. You know, I think the difference with Europe is you don't really have that IT exposure, which is so prevalent in the U.S. market. You know, that's there, there just aren't that many IT companies about stature in Europe. So you don't tend to see that overweight, but I think staples and healthcare are, are two great sectors to be exposed to right now. And, you know, I, I think investors have really felt like that way in Europe for, for the past few years. And you look at the three-year annualized alpha in Europe is actually even higher than the U.S. It's 7% annualized alpha. So if you're just investing in the index over three years, it's actually about flat right now. Uh, but in ZEQ, it's about a 7% annualized return. And you know, I think investors can kind of continue to lean on these these sectors and exposures like staples and healthcare. Well, in fact, I'll give them credit, came up with an idea, the, the granola trade, you know, and this is how they approach Europe. And granola, for example, is GlaxoSmithKline and Roche Holdings. So that's the G and the R. There's, they're part of the healthcare side of it. And then on the kind of more traditional granola, you might say, you know, the Nestle would be another one there or 
you know, L'Oreal for a consumer consumer staple in the um, in the consumer de- sector. So, you know, there's a lot of good stocks in Europe, and I think the quality uh, methodology does a great job of finding them. And, you know, you, Chris, you highlighted it in the um, earlier question about U.S. quality, but especially for Canadian investors who have a home bias portfolio, you know, looking to ZEQ or ZUQ to get those different sector exposures and different regions, I think, is is really important in portfolio diversification. So lastly, we offer ZGQ. So that's the All Country World Index is the parent index. It's the best-in-class names globally. There's a 300-plus names in that portfolio. Chris, why might investors want to look at a global exposure when they want to add quality to a portfolio? So it's actually uh, the smallest ETF. It's 140 million in ETF right now, but I think it's a real sleeper. You know, I think I've always said if you want to kind of a, if I could only choose one equity ETF of the whole suite, I think it would be ZGQ. And you know, indeed, the performance just stacked up very well with not only ETFs but funds as well. It's just, it's just a great overall, well-rounded way to play the market. So I think you know, if you're just looking for a one-ticket solution to kind of Play it, you know, it's an acqui exposure, so developed plus emerging markets. This is a great way to do it. Um, it's naturally going to tilt towards wherever quality is in the world, as defined by those three metrics. And you know, right now the quality is in the U.S., which is probably you know not a surprise to people. So it's, it's overweight the U.S. right now, and it's overweight those you know those IT and healthcare sectors. Um, again, it's got a great long-term track record, twenty years. What I'm looking at on you know, for a 20-year track record, it's adding two and a half percent of annualized alpha. Um, this is on the index, so it's returning seven percent versus four and a half on the broad index. Doesn't add that without no added risk, slightly reduced standard deviation and, and reduced drawdowns as well. So, you know, as a one-ticket solution, I just think it's it's a great way to get global equity exposure and tilt towards uh, better companies. So, Chris, would you use these ETFs? as a core position in a portfolio, or how would you use them? Are they more suited for satellite? And maybe what other holdings complement or work well with uh, quality in a portfolio? For sure. I think they, they do fit very well as a core. Um, you go back to that methodology of how it's being constructed. So we're kind of merging quality scores, you know, how they score on those three metrics. We, we take the highest quality names, but then we merge it with market cap weights. So you get this like really nice tilt, but it still has a bit of a look and a feel like the index in some sense, you know, so that can be very, very effective from using them as a core for, you know, either for the U.S. or for Europe or you're using the ZGQ as a core for your global, you know, your global uh, exposure. Um, you know, the other way we tend to look at it is, you know, we all, we're, BMO ETFs, we're the largest provider of smart beta ETFs in Canada. So, you know, we've got a lot of other things on the playbook. And when we look at, you know, where it pairs well, quality with other factors, you know, definitely low volatility, which is, you know, we're, we're, we're known for our low volatility portfolios, you know, pairing it with low volatility or with uh, even with value can be a very effective exposure, very complementary. You know, in the case of value, as I mentioned, the one, the one kind of market where quality might lie a tiny bit is in that Goldilocks environment when everything's rallying. And that's the market where value does really well. You know, I do think pairing quality with low volatility right now does make a lot of sense. I mean, again, just given the uncertainty of the recovery, I mean, we've obviously had very nice recovery in terms of markets, but I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions in terms of, you know, the the economy and society and how we're going to 
you know, recover. Um, pairing it with low volatility is very effective. Um, both of them reduce risk versus the broad benchmark. Low vol is more risk off, so to speak. So with low vol, you'll get higher weights. You won't see, actually, our U.S. low vol doesn't even have a weight in tech, but it's got large weights in utilities and consumer staples, for example, and, and even real estate. So that can mesh very well with quality. So on a, from a factor point of view, you know, we do like, really like pairing it with low volatility, and it would work very well with value as well. Well, thanks, Chris. You know, that's the defensive growth story is really, really resonating with investors right now. And, you know, it sounds like quality makes a great fit for anyone looking for defensive growth in their portfolios. It's a great product for both the bulls and the bears, as you say. Thanks, Chris, for all your insight today and for joining us. Thanks, Danielle. So just a reminder to our investors, FEMO has recently launched its popular U.S. quality ETF as a hedge to CAD version. So ticker ZUQ.S and a U.S. dollar version, so that's ZUQ.U. So anyone looking to add U.S. quality to their portfolios, you have more currency options now. So don't forget to check out our BMO ETF dashboard at BMOETF.ca. It has all our trade reports, market updates, and ETF commentary. We'll see you next time. Thank you to Danielle Nezel, BMO Product Specialist, and Chris Heeks, ETF Specialist and Portfolio Manager at BMO Global Asset Management, for joining us on Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to tune in to our weekly Views from the Desk series available each Thursday morning, where you'll hear timely market commentary, insights, and innovative ETF trade ideas. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time, without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment tax or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.